This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Monday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the St. Louis Cardinals winning the series two games to one they have still only lost one series since may 10th the impressive run continues however they are still fourth place in the american league east 13 and a half games back from the division leading new york yankees and they are still in possession of the final wild card spot Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, you can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Hey, man. How you doing? Doing all right. Charlie's uh, a little under the weather, but uh, toughing it out for us. Yeah, it's been... uh brutal last couple i'm gonna say like a week and a half it's one thing after another i've just been struggling with migraines so hoping that goes away if any listeners have any quick fixes for migraines would love to hear it because it's been a daily thing for a little while probably vodka or you know something <laughs> stiff <laughs> oh god no alcohol please also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. Job, how we doing, gentlemen? Um, Terry, you pointed out Red Sox haven't lost a series since May tenth. One May, series. May tenth is the episode. One that, series. That's the episode where I said it's time to fire Hein Bloom. So I'm taking all the credit, <laughs> all the credit for this winning streak. Well, I'm going to take 10% credit because I was the one who pointed that out to Job a few minutes ago. <laughs> and and but, now I'm over the moon. But it, it is correct, though, that ever since the epic Heim Bloom rant, things uh, things got turned around. So, all right. So, also notably, the Red Sox are 7-14 and 14 in the division. Our own division is what did the most damage against us. So, as we prepare to to start facing them again here uh, late next week, it is worth noting that the St. Louis Cardinals were a first place team and we beat them. Absolutely. They are 
in the hunt for a playoff spot. I think they're almost guaranteed one with the way that the NL Central is is shaping up, especially with the way the Brewers have been dealing with injuries. They've lost Brandon Woodruff now, who's been their either their ace or their number two, depending on you know your thoughts on Corbin Burns, Charlie's man crush over there, and um, he's going to be out for about four to six. So it's going to be tough sledding there in Milwaukee, and uh, St. Louis has a clear path. Another notable injury that could affect the National League wildcard race uh, to some degree, Manny Machado, a very bad uh, ankle injury. X-rays were negative in terms of fractures, but he is expected to miss a few weeks at least. It could be several, and they still have no idea when they're getting Fernando Tatis back. So I, I believe I picked them to win the West. I think you did as well, Job. So I picked them. I think they're going to win the whole thing. And uh, unfortunately, Terry, another blow to my fantasy team, losing Manny Machado. I just can't catch a break. I had him last year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, the the injury bug is, uh, rearing its ugly head. Mookie Betts actually, I just forgot that. So maybe that'll, balance it out he has a cracked rib so he's going to miss at least eight weeks i think so maybe that'll kind of offset the the machado uh injury but yeah anyway so getting back into the red Sox, we're going to kind of do a new format uh this week uh simply the weekend top five so we're going to go into the five top contributors as to who helped us win this series so we're going to start at number five, work our way all the way up to number one. Job, who's in the five slot? Well, the five slot, even though I advocate for him to be higher, is going to be none other than Michael Walker. And I want to point out before I get to his stat line that he now has a 2.28 ERA on the season after this latest outing where he went five and a third, gave up six hits, one earned on a solo shot uh, by Nolan Arenado in the fourth inning, one walk and struck out five. That would be the second lowest ERA of his career. So we are getting the absolute best of Michael Walker. So some serious reinvention with the changeup curveball that's absolutely been dominant. And he was great in his outing. Little bounce back outing. Uh, he had a tough, tough outing the last time around uh, two times ago. He was able to give us a complete game, so I, I give last outing kind of a pass on um, not having his best stuff simply because I think he was gassed, uh, to- totally out of gas. I thought in this outing his his changeup was really sharp, but the, the big difference was that he was attacking hitters and getting first pitch strikes. I don't know if, if the two of you agree with that, but I think that was the primary difference between this walker and the walker that we saw last time out. Well, he, he wasn't as fatigued this time, you know, coming off of that, um, you know, that complete game against Anaheim. So I, I think, you know, he's a little bit more rested and um, just he was just really, really efficient all night long. I mean, in the first three innings, he had only given up two hits. One of them, unfortunately, a solo home run by um, Nolan Arenado, but just absolutely solid uh, you know throughout the 
throughout the start. So Charlie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. Like every, you know, the last appearance that he had, he, he really did not do well um, with Seattle, uh, just a poor, poor game. And that's really been one of two blips all season. So at this point, I think it's safer to say that the, the likelihood of seeing Michael Walker do well, as opposed to pitching poorly, you're more likely to see him do well. And to begin this season, we really weren't sure what we were going to get. Uh, the first season, he didn't even pitch five innings. and Or the first game of the season, he didn't pitch five innings. Uh, second second game, he allowed, I think, just the one hit. Um, he's been nothing short of spectacular this year. Uh, I know that Job hopped on the Waka train pretty quick. I wasn't, I wasn't buying it, but I think now, I think it's safe to say that that the Waka hype train is 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 real. This is someone who's going to be consistently going out there, getting you five plus, uh, as he did against St. Louis, one of the harder opponents that he's faced over the last month, I'd say. Uh, St. Louis is a, is a top tier team. We've seen Seattle flounder. We've seen LA flounder. Both of those teams have just fallen apart. I'm just really happy with with the production that we're getting out of him. He's continued to lower ZRA. Uh, Job, I think you said for the month he's or he's down to 2.28 now. 2.28 on the season after today's performance, yeah. Right, and 1.93 for the month of June, which is insane because that, that wasn't his lowest of the year. April, he had a 1.77. Incredible. And it didn't blow up in, in his start against Seattle where he gave up eight hits in four and a third. His ERA would be even lower. Right, right. Interestingly, his strikeout per nine is two and a half points lower than last year. Um, he was giving up more runs, though. So, Well, he's given up weak contact, and that's been a, a big difference, I think. For him, he's been economical. He's not trying to strike every single hitter out. If he gets a guy down 0-2 in the count, he's not trying to make three perfect pitches. Uh, one pitch where the guy is out in front and – you know, hits a dribbler to second is just as effective as three. And he's starting to realize that and pitch with some serious command. The strikeouts are coming, you know, irregardless. When you look at his last couple of outings, only struck out three against Seattle. We talked about how he was fatigued there. Six in the complete game against the Angels and and five in five and a third against St. Louis. He's really not being strikeout dominant. It's all pitching to contact and being very effective with the changeup. Yeah, I think the changeup has been what's helped to induce that that soft contact. I mean, he's he's getting a lot of fly ball outs, and um, you know they're they're not finding the gaps or, or anything. So I'll just be curious to see what he gets for a contract next year. I don't know if the Red Sox are gonna make a play for him. I mean, half the fan base, we, we talked about this at length in the last show, but I mean, I, I think half of the fan base fully expects Bloom to bring back a Voldy, but I mean, I think Waka would be the one of the two he would want, but is he gonna, is Bloom gonna pay him for at least three to four years? I, I doubt it, and I don't think that the Red Sox open up the pocketbook for Michael Walker and I'm okay with it. I, I really like Michael Walker on the contract that he's on when he walks away next year and gets a three year, $36 million deal. I won't be upset. 
Uh, I do want to point a couple of stats out. I know it's super early. We have a really small sample size for Waka so far. But uh, we're looking at home and away splits for Waka this year. Home games. So at Fenway, three starts. The Sox are 2-1. and one. He's got a 1.03 ERA in those five starts. He's given up 17 hits in 26 and a third. Only three earned runs. Two of those are on home runs. On the road, he's got a 3-2-7 ERA. Still n- nothing to you know, worry about there. That's still fantastic. But he's given up 13 runs, 12 earned on the road in 33 innings pitched. So there's definitely a Fenway edge to Michael Walker. And as a righty, that's a little bit surprising. It is a little surprising because Fenway is relatively a hitter-friendly park. And we just went out west where you're you're pitching in more pitcher-friendly parks. And, and he did get a complete game in Anaheim. So um, that probably helped his road numbers to, to some degree. But... But it's it's nice to have a, a guy that can pitch at Fenway. Rich Hill is the opposite, I, I bet. If you look up his splits, his aren't going to be as great at home, and they're going to be better on the road. So I, I would believe so, and I don't have them in front of me. But the one thing I do want to point out, I, I want to kind of give props to Alex Cora on this one. We talk about starters going late into the game. Michael Walker in the first four innings of a game, ERA every inning. So granted, this is super small sample size, only six innings per you know per attempt here, but two four five, two four five for the first two innings, three two seven in the third inning, fourth inning, he hasn't allowed a run yet this year in the fourth inning for some reason. Zero ERA. But in the fifth inning, five point two uh earned run average. So when he does get hit, he's got eight and two thirds innings and eleven runs allowed in the fifth inning of games. Obviously, in the sixth inning onwards, the only time that he's really done that has been in those two games where he went deep. Um, and that would be seven, eight, nine, obviously zero ERA because of the complete game against Anaheim. And uh, he's been in the sixth inning five times, not giving up a run in the sixth inning either. So the fifth inning has been his trouble inning. It's usually when he sees guys for the second time, not, not the third time through the order. And, um, it's interesting kind of just to see that jump. And that's why core is using him this way. I'm, I'm intrigued by how many innings he throws down the stretch because he has historically faded down the stretch. Where are you getting these numbers from? Oh, I'm pulling these numbers from MLB.com. Hmm. As we look uh, right on the MLB app, if you go under stats, anyone who's interested, you can see players stats and breakdowns turf by the month, pre all-star lefty righty, the entire nine yards, they're pretty good at keeping that up to date. So th- that's where I use those. I get those stats from, and anyone can go and find those exact same statistics. And uh, I realize I'm cherry picking statistics. So if you want to make an argument against Michael Walker, you can find me at J O B M L B, and uh, I'll be happy to listen to you. It's worth noting that prior to last season, the Blue Jays signed Robbie Ray to a one-year, eight million dollar deal. Ray went on to win the Cy Young and parlayed that successful season into a five-year contract with the Seattle Mariners. Ray and Waka, they're about the same age. I think uh, Waka is about five months older than Robbie Ray. And 
I think we can all agree right now, Michael Waka probably not going to win a Cy Young this year. He's not going to have the punch outs uh, that it would take to get there. But in terms of effectiveness, I think he could be looking at a similar deal next year. I'm going to say four years minimum uh, for Waka if he continues the pace that he's on right now. I think if he continues the pace he's on right now, you're absolutely right. And I don't think the Red Sox will be in that market just no. based on his age and performance. I just worry down the stretch, you know, when he goes 200-plus innings, he's got 59 innings right now. Are those numbers sustainable? Uh, he's been a, a four ERA pitcher his entire career, and right now he's at two two eight. So even if he does dominate at Fenway, at some point he's going to get tagged, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets after that. All right. Uh, Charlie, go ahead. Who's in the four slot? Four slot, we have uh, Trevor Story, who in the series struggled a little bit. Uh, had just, you know, happy happy Homer on Happy Father's Day there for him. Uh, but three for 11 in the series, three strikeouts. Uh, this was his first home run in the month of June. It's really been a struggle uh, for him after a ridiculous May, which it felt like he was hitting a home run every game. You know, the Seattle series really kicked it off, and then the Chicago series carried it on and then really just kind of went quiet after that. Didn't really do too much. And now he's, he's had just seven RBIs before, before today. Um, I'm really hoping he can turn it around and, and stay hot because uh, the Trevor story that we saw in May really helped out. It's not to say that story hasn't helped us win games, but it's not nearly, you know, the bang that we we definitely thought we were going to continue to get uh, once he heated up in uh, middle late May, um, we just we need to get a little bit more. We could make a case, we could make an argument that his home run was, uh, you know, the party the party getting started for us because um, second inning solo shot, we're up one zero, we lose that lead pretty quickly. Um, we just we just need that that consistency from him. Strikeouts are down, but we need to get the hits back up. Defensively, I have no problems with him. How could you have problems with him defensively? I mean, he made three great plays in his series from second. Uh, one specifically ranging to his right. Uh, nice jump throw to first. It looked like he was a la Derek Jeter. And I know the um, advanced analytics hate that play, but uh, Trevor Story has been great defensively. The one thing that I want to note about Trevor Story that's, that's very interesting it actually comes from Lou Merloni, so I want to give him credit. Uh, but he had sent a note that he thinks Trevor Story feels more comfortable when he faces National League teams and sees guys he's familiar with. And that that's where the hot streak started the first time. And he looked pretty comfortable in this series, even though he didn't necessarily perform you know, to a super high standard, only hitting, what, 287, 3 for 11. Um, it's possible this kind of gets him going. Seeing teams that he's comfortable with, hitting well. If you'll remember, the last time we played a National League team in the Braves is when he started on that absolute tear in the month of May. So hopefully this gets him going and he can kind of be the juggernaut this offense needs him to be out of that five-hole. So I think what Job is saying is if the Red Sox go to the World Series 
MVP. Trevor Story's on pace for a Red Sox legendary performance, a la David Ortiz. I want him to see hit 600 in the World Series, but we got to get there first. I was going to say, you know, the MVP of the series, but but hopefully he it's gets going. It's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting to hear you say that he feels more comfortable hitting against National League um, pitchers because it wasn't the National League that he teed off on. It was the Mariners. It was the White Sox, which are American League teams, which are which had pitchers that he wasn't as familiar with. So uh, it's just interesting. Um, it's just interesting, it is interesting to hear you say that. But Atlanta was where it started, right? And then he went on a tear. It's almost like. He needed to be reminded that this is fun and seeing guys that he knows uniforms that he's played against seem to just kind of remind him that it's, it's a game and he's in a familiar spot. And then he went on and, and hopefully he does it again. Interleague so, play seems to be good for starting Trevor story hitting streaks. I have no complaints with, with, uh, with that. My interleague play games are always going to help players that have uh, some level of of knowledge about opposing pitchers, but after the Atlanta series, he really didn't do anything for two weeks or for a week, rather he didn't do anything. And then Seattle, it was someone possessed Trevor story. And then he started teeing off because I, I had to look back at that. Cause I couldn't remember who he hit his first home run against Texas series. One for 10 Houston series, three for 10 with a solo home run. Yes. He's scoring runs, but it wasn't until Seattle. It's just, it's interesting. I don't, I don't necessarily say I 100% agree with that take about him. Well, feel free to disagree because it comes from Lou Merloni, right? It's not my take. But uh, it is is interesting, I think, to look at the splits before and after playing a National League team. Hopefully this this does get him going. Hopefully Lou's right. And, and, you know, Charlie, you and I just aren't seeing the writing on the wall. The one thing I will say about Trevor's story is he's got to get the strikeouts down. Uh, I've been upset with the strikeouts recently. I don't want to dig too deeply into the negatives because I know he was the dud for you, Terry, on your last show on Wednesday with the midweek crew. So we'll just kind of leave it there. He needs to get the strikeouts down. His defense continues to be stellar. And uh, opposite field tonight, that was big power uh, to go opposite field at Fenway. And when you can do that, your swing is really right. Yeah, he's got a 35% strikeout share right now, which is not pretty. Yeah, he's on pace to have the most uh, strikeouts of his career this year, and I, I even if he cleans it up a little, I, I think he's still gonna, still unfortunately gonna have the most of his career either way. He did in 2017, which was his second uh, season in the league. Uh, in fact, lead the league in strikeouts at 191. He hit 239 that year. That's also his worst year in terms of batting average. Um, this year, he's he's at 219, so there's plenty of time to get that up. His uh, OBP is uh, 301, so 82 points above his, his batting average. So um, he's been streaky. Uh, I compared him to JBJ last show in, in terms of the streakiness. So uh, we, we just... Definitely need to see a little bit of uh, consistency out of him. But he did play uh, a big role in game one, though. Fourth inning, he hit a um, a, a grounder opposite field, uh, you know, to the right fielder. J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts both scored on that. And then he hit a uh, solo home run in game three. So, um 
the outcomes could have been different had had he not been uh you know productive in those two spots so hopefully this is the impetus you know like job is uh um you know referring to with his merloni uh reference and uh we've got a we've got a cupcake team coming in that we're going to talk about in the in the closing segment when we preview the series that's against detroit so um we'll we'll see uh number three on the weekend top five i'm going with tanner hauk he closed out uh games one and three today those were the two games we won in the series he did kind of get slapped around uh in game one austin davis wasn't sharp Hauk came in with two guys on base both of them ended up scoring they were charged to uh davis though but uh, Hauk still did give up two doubles, but still um, ultimately closed it out. And then today was looking like he wasn't going to have to pitch at all, but then Tyler Danish just couldn't get it done. And like Austin Davis, him and Danish have been very stout, you know, for the bulk of the season. And um, Hauk came in today and, and shut it down uh, much quicker. But I think what that says is he's the final boss. As far as Alex Cora goes, he's the last guy that's going to come in to stop it. And in case of, of an emergency, he's the guy who's going to be warming up in the bullpen. And I love your final boss reference, Terry. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're absolutely right in, in the way that you phrased it. There, there's two things about Tanner Houck that I think are important to realize. One is if Tanner Houck melts down in, in one, you know, if he doesn't get that last out in the first game, series looks different, right? Series outcome looks different. If he doesn't come in in the second game and we melt down in both of those games, then the series outlook looks really different. Uh, Tanner Houck has essentially kept the Red Sox, you know, he gave the Red Sox this series in my book as far as saving us from the bullpen, which has been a disaster all season long. The one thing to think about is he hasn't pitched back-to-back days yet. So I, I really want to see that from him. But I love the intensity. And I, I don't know, maybe either of you can remember this, but I, I want to say it was Daniel Bard when he was a reliever for the Sox in 2010, right? Before the meltdown and resurgence with Colorado, who couldn't couldn't get going in games unless it was a high-intensity situation. Like, you put him in with a six-run lead, and he was just too comfortable, and he'd give up four or five runs. But when it was a one-run game where there was guys on base and he needed a stop, he was nails. And that's how I feel about Tanner Howe. Comes in, a couple guys on base that Danish had, had put on base. And he didn't really feel the pressure with three runs. But he gave up back-to-back doubles. And then all of a sudden, he comes in and, and shuts it down, locks down the door uh, for the win. And again, you know, in game three, it wasn't close. As soon as it's close and he comes in, he feels the pressure. He's dominant. So I wonder if maybe there's something there adrenaline-wise that Tanner Houck needs to get used to or accommodated to in the bullpen. Charlie. So Tanner Houck is your second best reliever outside of Garrett Whitlock, and it's not even close. 
Like this is the guy who is shutting it down. Most consistent pitcher. I think we've got, I mean, more than Schreiber, this guy can start. He can relieve. He can do it all just like Garrett Whitlock. Uh, when he goes into pitch, I'm not worried. When Hansel Robles goes in, it's I'm not feeling good. If um, Salamora is pitching, I, I know the game is over because he doesn't come in unless it's just we just need someone to, to throw the ball. We're not going to win this game. And I was right. Salamora, I, I don't know. I wish there was a staff for that to see when a pitcher comes in, how many inherited runners you've let score because I'm sure we can find one, Charlie. Maybe we'll put the listeners on that. There's no way he's not leading that list. There's absolutely no way. Okay. It is. So you want to know how many inherited runners are allowed to score per player? No, no, no. I want to know who, as far as pitchers are concerned, have allowed more inherited runners to score than Sawamura. I'm willing to okay, say Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. Okay. Oh, but that's National League. We don't want that. It doesn't matter. I mean, any 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 league, any team. But I will say this much, that when Tanner Houck is pitching, it's – I'm good. I can go to bed and I'll wake up and I know that we won. I feel that good about it. This guy has allowed one earned run in a month. In a month. And the last eight appearances he's played, we didn't lose. I'm okay with that. You've seen his ERA drop because he was a starter turned reliever from 5.4 to 3.53. I'll take that. Another thing that's uh, really impressive to me is in his last eight outings, he's only given up one walk. The, the command is there. I mean, sometimes... He can be prone to, to giving up a little bit of contact, but, but yeah, another, uh, another stat that I love, he's only given up two home runs all year and, uh, none since May 15th. That was against Texas. So I, I like him a lot. I, I know there's another guy, Job likes, we'll do an honorable mention, uh, after uh, we complete this about him, but um, I think the bullpen is starting to, we're starting to know who's who finally. So I agree. I agree. Job, you got that. Charlie, I'm, I'm looking for that stat. It, it seems like it is a stat that's kept, but they only keep it from the top up. So I have to manually go in and look, you know, for Sally Murray's name. And let's just, let's just put it this way. He's not in the top 16 of percentage allowed. Uh, he's in the bottom third of the league. So we can, we can go with that. Bottom third of the league saying the worst third. Oh yeah. He's in the worst third of the league. Yeah, thank inherited you. Runner yeah. scoring. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked about the, um, the kid we just got from Philly uh, for cash considerations, but they're, there's going to have to be, I think, a roster move on that. Uh, so I, I don't know. We are if... going to have to make a roster move to get him onto the 40 man. Yeah, so I don't know who that would be. I guess probably Valdez would be the most vulnerable on the uh, big league roster. We're talking about Norwood, right? Yeah, yeah, Norwood. Yeah. He's um, Isn't he pitching? Yeah, he's a he's right, gonna be... right-handed reliever. 
Right, but isn't he going to be making his isn't he pitching for the Red Sox because we still don't have uh Evaldi back? Isn't he making an appearance? Or that is that is I think the plan, up? Charlie, is that he's gonna make an appearance uh in this upcoming series. Right. Uh, Winkowski will, will start the first game uh, and then Hill and Waka. So actually it won't be against Detroit. But uh we oh. will see him pretty soon and we're gonna need a roster move in order to get him on the big league club. Yeah. He's definitely a reliever, though, so he won't be making any starts. He's never in his career had a had a major league start. Um, okay, I, th- I thought I heard he was making a spot start, but which I thought was odd because I don't remember him ever making a start before that. So maybe I misheard it. I don't know. Yeah, well, hopefully the next spot start won't be Cutter Crawford. I, I wasn't going to mention yeah, no. him, but but just <laughs> terrible. All right, uh, in the two slot, uh, Joe, go ahead. Well, we're going to go with one is today's game. Uh, Terry's favorite player on the entire Major League uh, roster, Christian Vasquez, number seven, uh, who today had two hits in four at-bats, two runs on the one home run, three RBIs, no strikeouts. I mean, he really just came in clutch. What else are you going to say about, about it? When you really needed power, the guy that brought it to you was Christian Vasquez, and he's been really good this season with the bat. He's hitting 271, only three home runs, so he's not showing that power stroke, but 27 RBIs, and his OPS is now 700, above 700, 703, which we, we really like to see, and it makes your lineup a lot deeper when he can put the ball in play. Defensively, there, there was some work to be done there. Uh, he did make a throwing error, threw the ball into center field, uh, and almost overthrew Trevor Story a second time. But he also caught a st- uh, caught a base stealer. I believe it was Tommy Edmond. So good performance from Vasquez. I think he won us game three in this set. Ah, uh, yeah, that three run homer that he had was incredibly clutch. If we don't get that, we blow the game and it's over. Uh, he had a fantastic month of May, along with a lot of other Red Sox players. That was. You know, he was one of the proponents when when we won, I think it was, what, nine straight? I think he played every single game, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it a nine-game win streak in the month of May? Did we hit nine? Uh, Did we really win nine straight? I thought it was eight. Maybe it was eight. So I, I, I couldn't remember. It was, it was a solid streak, and he was a huge proponent in getting that together. His strikeout numbers are way down. Like, way down he struck out six times in 47 at bats for the month of uh june his batting average is like cut in half unfortunately he's just not getting on base as much but i mean when you needed when you needed that clutch hit we got it done and i'm super happy because we're not all christian vasquez supporters we're not all saying oh yeah we need to re-sign this guy he's kind of had to he's really been feeling like the brunt of of a lot of fans when, when we're struggling, he sometimes catches a lot of it, but he's been doing a lot better behind the plate. I think some of the pitchers are feeling a little bit more comfortable with him this year in relation to last year or the year before it's taken eight years for some of this magic to happen. But, um, you know, if he can continue to do this, I'm okay with it because you're not getting anything from Ploiecki. He's not getting it done at this point. I'm, I'm done with Ploiecki too. Um, we got to find someone else to to spell Vasquez to give him a break every once in a while, but Vaz is doing great and great on him for hitting that uh, clutch, 
clutch home run. Can I give you guys two quick stats I think really illustrate Vasquez so far this season? One is extra base hits. He's got 14 extra base hits so far this season. All of last season, he had 30. 2020 in, you know, what is 60 games? 16. We're, we're through about 60 games now. He's probably played in, I don't have the numbers in front of me, probably 55. 50. Um, and then 2017 was his big power year. 25 extra base hits. But other than that, this, this he's on pace now for the best power year he's had as far as extra base hits go. And another number is the number two. And that's how many double plays he's hit into this season. Last year, he hit into 15. 2019, the last full season before that, 17. This year, he's on pace for seven. Uh, And I know that number will come up, but fantastic to see him putting the ball in play and not, you know, leading double blitz. I think that speaks to the overall team mindset because he's actually only hit three home runs this year, which is much lower than some of his more productive years. But J.D. Martinez also fairly low for for where you would expect him to be at, uh, you know, nearing the halfway point of the season. Uh, so I think I think it's all about just putting the ball in play, which is what I was screaming from the mountaintops in April when we weren't doing that. And um, you're going to see more extra base hits. He's probably going to have more doubles this year than than he's ever had, like you said. And surprisingly, he's hitting 271 right now. That's and I'm looking at that, and if I if it wasn't in front of me, I'd probably guess he's he was hitting probably 245, 250. So Same. very quietly, he's he is putting together a decent year. And I, I know I've been all about screaming trade Vasquez, and it looks like I'm going to be wrong on on that as well. Like Job said, or perhaps it was Charlie. He's worked with the pitching staff better this year than he has any other year of his career by far. The Red Sox um, team ERA right now, I think, ranked, uh, I just had it up, fourth or fifth in all of MLB. So it's top five. The The starters are, are pitching to a 3.45 ERA. Bullpen, different story. I think we'll work it out. But... Right. Um, gotta gotta love what we're we're seeing here um with with Vasquez game calling and I'm sure Dave Bush has a lot to do with that I'm sure the analytics guys are uh in Veritech especially I think that's kind of what his role is is to um you know gather the data that they're going to use to uh attack the opposing hitters with but but love what I'm seeing and and Vasquez we were up three to one when he hit that shot but if he doesn't we probably blow that game so do you feel comfortable up three to one with the bullpen that we've got not really that's what i that's why i was saying that Uh, you know because i wasn't feeling comfortable until vasquez hit that three-run shot exactly for winning this game yeah i don't think anybody was and i mean to be fair though there was no reason to worry about austin davis in game one giving up those runs and there shouldn't have been a lot to worry about with Danish today either. I mean, he had just got his ERA down to an even 3.00 and had been pitching very well. So um, for whatever reason, 
this St. Louis lineup just kind of just kind of rallied a couple of times. And uh, interestingly, we didn't see Deakman at all this series. Uh, looking through my game logs here, um, so kind of that's kind of curious. We only saw Matt Strom once, although that was for um, one and one third of an inning. So I believe they were trying to stay more away from the the power lefties in, in this one. It, it seemed to me that there was a concise effort to go with the guys who had more off-speed stuff, um, especially, you know, from the right-handed side, going to Salimura, understand the game was already over, but you go to Schreiber as well. And necessarily, Cora hasn't used Matt Strom unless it's a high-leverage inning. And we haven't really had, even though both these games ended up being close, we haven't really had high-leverage innings going into the ninth. And as soon as they get high-leverage, he's been going straight to Tanner Houck. Yeah. Exactly. He seems to be the uh, the guy on emergency speed dial uh, when needed. So, uh, Charlie, go ahead. Who gets the number one slot for the weekend? So the number one slot, this is kind of like that weatherman feeling I had for the last couple of weeks. Nick Pavetta, and that's all you got to say. <laughs> Nick Pavetta has been absolutely on fire. Uh, this is, I want to say, two weeks maybe three, I can't remember when I said totally legit or calling the cops that Nick Pavetta and who did I say? Did I say Nick Pavetta and Michael Waka? Or Nick Pavetta Nick and Pavetta? Nate That's all right. That's what I originally thought. Nick Pavetta and Nate Evaldi will be the formidable one-two punch that the Red Sox need to be relevant again. Could not have been more accurate. Four hits in seven innings, just allowed the one run, four walks, which is a little concerning, but not the craziest thing ever. 10 punch outs this year. So this is what I want to think about and talk about when it comes to Pavetta. Pavetta started the year off with an ERA over 10 at one point, four losses and five starts. And over his last eight, now nine starts, including this most recent one, eight of those nine starts have gone for quality. He's allowed one run or less in seven of those nine appearances. He is seven in one since then. Insanity. His ERA went down from 7.84 to 3.31. He is absolutely on fire. Two of his last three appearances have gone for 10 strikeouts or more. This guy is absolutely on it. The home run balls are down. The walk numbers are, I will admit, a little bit concerning over the month of June because they were a little bit higher now than they were, uh, you know, in in uh, the beginning of May, which he just didn't seem to walk anybody. But, I mean, this guy is the truth, and Philadelphia is going to be kicking themselves for the remainder of however long Nick Pavetta does this. Because when he first came over, this was a reclamation project. Nick Pavetta is saving Boston from being irrelevant right now. Well, it's frustrating that you mentioned that Charlie because you stole my thunder uh Nick Pavetta is and I'm gonna go on record saying this the best move that Heim Bloom has made since taking over the team is now Nick Pavetta yep. Pavetta has proven to be an absolute stud this season we'll see if he remains durable um, but I'm I'm very happy with everything you're getting from Nick Pavetta today he wasn't necessarily sharp uh especially 
his curveball, he spiked a lot of curveballs. Uh, shout out Christian Vasquez for that as well. We didn't really mention his defense behind the plate outside of his arm. He saved a lot of a lot of balls that could have gone to the backstop that were thrown 58 feet today and, and also just weren't on weren't in the right spot. Uh, he had a lot of three ball counts early, but his fastball was absolutely working today. Probably the best fastball we've seen from Pavetta in this stretch. Multiple times he went to the fastball in 3-1 and 3-2 counts up in the zone, which is when you know you're really feeling it and go right after hitters. He blew away Albert Pujols on the fastball up uh, with a man on second in the, I want to say the fourth inning, uh, and he hit 96 with the fastball. That is the Nick Pavetta that's going to lead us to the promised land, Charlie. If there is one, we saw him today. He's he's incredible. I mean, just I uh, sorry, Tara, to cut you off. In 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 honestly, I think before the end of July, we're gonna see Nick Pavetta have a new career high in wins. Last season, he set a career high with nine, which seems silly, but he's gonna do that before July is over. I think he struck out Pujols today, all three times he faced him. Um, he, but, he did, and and Pujols is not the Pujols of years past, right? That's not like saying, oh, he struck out Barry Bonds three times. Not anymore at this point. But Pujols is still a very formidable hitter, especially against a fastball up. And uh, he struck him out with guys on base all three times. Yeah, and the impressive thing is, is despite not being sharp today with his four walks, he kind of labored through that um, – through that sixth inning and his pitch count was up and I'm like, well, let's not, let's not bring him out with a, with a three to one lead. Actually, I don't even think it was that. Yeah, it was three to one. My bad. Uh, a three to one lead. I'm like, well, let's not tempt fate and bring him out for the seventh. And then Alex Cora did. And then Pavetta struck out all three batters to, <laughs> to end the game. And that was definitely it. Cause his, his pitch count was up there a little bit. Tommy Edmond was the uh, the final batter he faced in the uh, seventh inning, and he struck him out. And he's one of the hottest hitters in Major League Baseball right now. So um, I love what I'm seeing. I, I love how fired up he gets. You know, when when he gets out of the inning, and Nick Pavetta, I, I said it last week. I'll say it again. He is the bona fide ace of the Boston Red Sox. Some people might still argue Evoldi, but Evoldi doesn't have the punch outs that that Nick Pavetta is getting right now. And uh, we've already seen Nick Pavetta shine last year in the postseason. I have no worries whatsoever. As long as he's into a groove going into October this year, Nick Pavetta is not a guy I'm going to be worried about as far as making starts and, and logging innings. And he, he was the long relief guy last year for guys like Erod and um, some of the other guys we had uh, in the rotation. I know Martin Perez. Yeah. Perez. Uh, and uh, I don't, I, although I don't think he was starting and, and um, the other guy, Garrett Richards didn't even um, pitch due to injury, but, he he was the long relief guy. He's going to be a bona fide starter. He's going to be your your 2004 Kurt Schilling or your 2013 John Lackey. That that's going to be how heavily you're leaning on Nick Pavetta this year uh, in the postseason. 
I hope so. And I hope we get there as we stand right now while we record this. Uh, we're behind the Cleveland Guardians um, on winning percentage for that final spot. Uh, they have three games less played than the Sox at this point. So um, they they beat up on the Dodgers twice this weekend to, to take that spot from us. But hopefully we're in the playoffs. Hopefully we're leaning on Nick Pavetta. And hopefully we're leaning on the, the best strikeout machine on the Sox and John Schreiber too. I know uh, he didn't make our top five for this one because he only threw an inning and in, in the third. Today he threw an inning, struck out all three hitters. In his last seven games, he's given up two hits, 10 strikeouts in that time. And uh, now for the season, 20 games, 087 ERA, 20 and two-thirds innings pitched, 24 strikeouts, and nine walks for an 068 whip. Absolute lights out, total stud in the bullpen. And uh, him, Hauk, we can find one more guy there at the back end of the rotation, or back end of the bullpen, I should say, to go with Matt Strom, John Schreiber, and Tanner Hauk. Then all of a sudden, I feel really good. But we need one more stud in the bullpen. I think he's already there in Garrett Whitlock, but we've talked that one to death. Yeah, Schreiber, uh, as you said, uh, struck out all three guys he faced. So um, it, it was fun to watch him because his slider was really working today. And his he's got somewhat of a, a rising fastball. I don't want to compare it to Kimbrel's because Kimbrel had probably about four more miles an hour on his. It comes from such a funky angle, though. It does. And that's and that's why he's effective. And he was just toying with that uh, St. Louis lineup today. And it was really fun to watch. Um, interesting note, we do have the Cleveland Guardians uh, after the Tiger series. So next weekend... Uh, that'll be the one uh, we cover. And actually, I think that'll be our last one uh, before the crew flips. Uh, you know, Jason Kelly will uh, come to the weekend show. Job will move to the midweek. So the the Guardians, like I said, that'll be the last one. Be nice to get a couple of wins there because they're uh, breathing down our necks in the in the wild card race. It is worth noting, though that uh, the Red Sox have, they're tied right now for the fifth best uh, record in the American League. We're five games above 500 at 36 and 31. Um, Tampa also has 36 wins. They've played one game less. The Blue Jays only two wins better than us. So we could, if if we have a a good week here, we could be easily second place behind the Yankees still with a double digit deficit, but um, we're playing well. We're playing. I can't wait for the Yankees to get bounced in the first round. going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Uh, You know, I still question the sustainability of that starting rotation and their bullpen. um, we'll, We'll see how sustainable they are as well. Uh, all right, let's uh, go ahead and see if we have any uh, pitching matchups. I'm trying the MLB site. They actually had all of them in there, and it looks like, yes, Oops. we do. We've got all of our pitching matchups this week. So um, let's just get into it. Monday, 
uh, which is tonight for everyone uh, listening on your Monday commute. All these games are 7-10 starts, which is nice. But uh, Monday we have Alex Fado. <laughs> never I... never seen him pitch before uh, versus Josh Winkowski. Pulling up, uh, if you pronounce it Fado, I, I could be wrong. I'm not sure what the pronunciation is, Terry, but there's a reason you haven't seen him pitch yet. He's only thrown 40 innings in the majors all this season, eight games uh, so far, and a, a 4-2-8 ERA, one win, and three losses in that time. He's faced the White, the White Sox, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota. So two good teams and one really, really bad team. Uh, the White Sox in his last outing absolutely lit him up. He struck out five and walked one, but he gave up nine hits and seven runs in three innings pitched in the loss. Prior to that, five innings against Pittsburgh, three hits, one run, seven strikeouts. Obviously, Pittsburgh's a dumpster fire of an organization, and uh, Minnesota was able to put up five hits in five innings but only two runs against him in his debut. I think, oh my goodness, June 2nd is his first, was his first game. So this is his first month of big league ball. And um, these are the guys we struggle with, Terry. That's what you're always talking about. But we've also got Winkowski on the other side. we got two very young pitchers, um, a combined uh, a combined 52 innings of, of major league experience among these two. So going to be interesting where we go from here. What's crazy is all that being said, all I heard um, from all of that was that he's been pretty consistent. He's allowed basically two runs in every single game, except for one blow up against the White Sox, which is divisional opponent. Pittsburgh, Oakland, Cleveland a couple times, both divisional opponents. He's done fine. Winkowski, you're either going to be locked on or you are going to have the wheels fall off really quickly. Fado is going to give you five innings. I think he's going to have enough to withstand. And it hurts to say it. I'm going to give the edge to Detroit in this one just because of that. I don't think he's going to have a second blow up appearance in a row. He pitched seven straight games where he did fine. He gave five quality innings each appearance, one blow up. Winkowski, we still don't know yet. So I'm going to give the edge to Detroit in the first one. I'm actually going to go with the Red Sox. Um, There's kind of a a quiet confidence about uh, Josh Winkowski that I kind of like. He only struck out three in his last outing against Oakland. Um, Oakland doesn't really have a scary lineup. Detroit, uh, not all that much scarier. So I think this is a comfortable uh, situation for Winkowski. And I, I think that, I think we're going to hit. I think we're going to hit this series. Um, we, we took two out of three earlier on. I'm just trying to get their uh, bullpen numbers as well because I, I think we can score um, – score late on them i also think that the red sox are going to win game one i I didn't give that take when i was reading those numbers Uh, i also have us winning game one i like winkowski i think it's time for the red sox to put up a crooked number uh it's going to happen tomorrow night 
Oh, I got some bad news, though. <laughs> Det- Is their bullpen shot down? Detroit has the seventh best bullpen in the league uh, with a 3.23 ERA. So we're going to want to score runs early by the looks of it. If anyone's wondering where Boston is, we are 15th. I think we're up three spots uh, from the last time I uh, I checked that. So, um, But I still like this matchup, and um, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But officially, I'll, I'll take the Red Sox. Uh, next matchup is Tuesday, as my computer is being really slow. Here we go. Yeah, so... Um, Bo Brisky, <laughs> another, they got some tough names on that Detroit crew. Uh, he's pitching against Rich Hill. Um, Charlie, go ahead. You can lead off this one. Detroit's going to lead this series off too. Oh, this is <laughs> someone who hasn't allowed a run in two appearances. He, he destroyed the Yankees, destroyed Toronto and did very well against Texas in the month of June, almost 19 innings pitched two runs only allowed via the home run. He has struck out 15 guys. His ERA is 0.96 for the month in three starts. That's kind of scary considering Rich Hill. Probably not going to be doing anything like that. Rich Hill, I'm expecting, will probably allow three, four runs. If this guy allows a run, it's probably going to be by way of the home run. That's his one caveat. This guy loves to give up long balls. And the Red Sox, if they're willing to hit him, they could do some work. The Red Sox don't hit home runs, though. They hit singles and doubles. So they're going to have to string together a lot more hits uh, and knock them out early because this guy goes 100 pitches. He can go six, seven innings. He doesn't get exhausted. Rich Hill, after 50, 55 pitches, you got to start getting somebody warmed up. So I'm going to go Detroit 2-0. Well, uh, Charlie and I, you and, we're going to differ on two straight games. Uh, I'm taking the Sox in this one. Bo Brisky is, is really good of late, no doubt. Uh, he's only 24 years old, not a whole lot of experience as being his first season. But he's 1-5 as, as a starter. Uh, they don't win a lot of the games that he starts. They seem to not score for him. He's got a little bit of that Verlander curse where they just they don't show up when he pitches, or DeGrom curse, I should say. And that isn't going to cut it at Fenway. I also think, and this is a, a hot take, the Red Sox will be the first team, I think, in recent memory that by June, two opposing managers have been fired midseason. I think A.J. Hinch is gone after game two. They're going <laughs> to drop both these games here. They're going to fall out of the division race even further. They thought they had a shot. Terry, you thought they had a good, a good shot at the Central. I had them and, winning. Uh, I think they're going to have it. That's going to be it for A.J. Hinch. I don't think they're going to toss AJ. I think that's a bold take, um, but is what it is. I'm going to agree with Charlie on game two. I just, I mean, even if we had somebody else pitching besides Hill, I I think it was still going to be an uphill battle. (laughs) Nice pun. Yeah, (laughs) that was a good one. Uh, And uh, so I just think, I, if we're going to lose a, a game, uh, game two uh, certainly uh, looks like it could be. If we had a very uh, rambunctious crowd in there, maybe maybe Brisky could get a little bit rattled and just kind of get frozen at Fenway. But 
I'll uh, I'll take the Tigers in there. If if now if this was in Comerica, that that'd be a good park for Rich Hill, but I just don't like Rich Hill at Fenway Park. Uh, final game of the series Wednesday, still a seven ten start. Tariq Skubal versus Michael Waka. Job, go ahead. Well, Skubal at this point is their ace. Uh, they've obviously lost Eddie Rodriguez while he deals with off the field uh, issues in his personal life. And uh, Skubal's pretty good. He's twenty five years old. For those who don't know him. In his career, he's got a 4-2 ERA, 4-1-5, actually, um, and a whip of, of 1.2, which isn't ideal. But this season, he's been pretty good. He's got a 3-1-3 ERA, 79 strikeouts and 74 and two-thirds innings pitched, a, a whip just over 1, 1.08. And his last couple of times out, he's not been good. But prior to that, he was fantastic. Uh, he did get rocked of late by Toronto. He only went four innings, gave up four and runs on seven hits. Walked two, struck out five, and then eight hits against Texas for five run runs with two walks in his last time out. So he has been somewhat vulnerable, uh, but he is a ground ball pitcher. He does pitch to contact, not necessarily overwhelming stuff. The Red Sox should be able to hit him. So you're calling it a win for oh, the well, Red Sox? Oh, I mean, Michael Walker's pitching. So the Sox are winning game three. So I'm going to say... Sox win game three. Tariq Skubal has not been doing well, as Joe was just talking about. It's one thing I took a look at. Uh, he's been an exciting pitcher to watch, and the fact that Detroit has a very young rotation with uh, Skubal and then Brisky, I believe is how they pronounce it, uh, BB, Bo, over there. Uh, Detroit will be good in a couple of years. Right now, they're not there. Um I don't think that the Red Sox are going to get swept against Detroit. Detroit's one of the saddest teams in baseball right now. They're not quite as bad as, you know, the Cincinnati Reds are. But, I mean, the Tigers are borderline basement of the uh, American League. I think only the the Royals, Royals and A's are worse, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, there might be a third team. But um, maybe the Mariners, actually. No, I, actually, you're, you're actually right. They are the second worst in, in the American League. Oakland with 23 wins and Kansas City with 23 wins. Detroit only comes in with 26 wins. That would put them uh, Seattle's ahead close, of though. four teams in baseball, and that's about it. So they're, they're fifth worst in all of baseball, 25th in the league. There you go. Percentage. Yeah. So they're going to – I think they're. this is going to be like a little bit of a turnaround for them because they also haven't been doing that great um, even the past couple weeks. So I'm going to say the Red Sox win the third one. Done. Seattle has 29 wins, so three more than Detroit. Yeah, Seattle, 10 games below 500. I was kind of thinking they would kind of grind their way back, but it's uh, they're starting to get buried. I picked them to win the West, Terry, so I totally you understand what you're going for. I yep. picked Andrew my, and Job. Pick my trusty Astros as far as mine went, but I, I can't do it. <laughs> Uh, so, like Job said, uh, Scooball is coming off his two worst starts. Uh, seven hits against Toronto, eight hits against Texas. Texas, actually, let me pull the standings back up. The Texas Rangers, oh, I guess they slipped down to third place. Uh, second place is the Angels again. Both those teams still uh, a little bit under 500, but Texas is definitely a team that can hit, though. And, um, 
uh, Toronto as well. So, you know, there's a theme against Scooball. If, if you have a high-powered offense, and I would still consider the Red Sox to be a high-powered offense, despite not having the home runs, they still have a ton of extra base hits. They lead the league in runs scored, Terry. Yeah, and I, I think they do. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, I believe they do have uh, the most hits in uh, MLB. No, not the Rockies. I, I've I've got it up here. They're fifth. Wow. You're looking for hits. Yeah. The Rockies are first. The Red Sox are fifth with five ninety six. They're only three hits behind the uh, one hit behind the Cardinals. Three hits behind the Mets. Oh, uh, six hits behind the Rockies. Rockies obviously out offense. I don't know if this this list is correct though, because it has the Nationals and the Rockies at the top of the hits list, and that doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> uh, the, both those teams just absolutely suck. Hey, man, I mean, They're, stats are kind of crazy this year as a whole. I mean, the Red Sox on the third, fourth, fifth best batting averages in all of baseball. They're, well, we do have and we're 26 doubles more than the second-place Atlanta Braves. Doesn't surprise me. 156 doubles for the Sox. For reference, the third-best team in the league, 125, is the Toronto Blue Jays with 21 doubles less. If you go down another 21 doubles from them, you're at uh, – 19th and that's the Cincinnati Reds so we're a lot better than the rest of the division and a lot better than the rest of the league at hitting doubles it's not even close hang on a second this is so whacked so we are number one in doubles 156 guess where the Yankees rank in doubles well I can tell you, so I'm not going to give up the answer because I, I saw it already. <laughs> but there's a reason for that. Charlie, guess. The... Wait, Charlie, guess. Where did the Yankees rank in doubles? Red Sox are first. Well, we were talking about the Red Sox being first for that. I think, God, like a month ago, the Yankees, as far as doubles go, at in the American League or all of baseball? All of baseball. I'm trying to think because they have so many strikeout machines on that team. It's not even funny. Um, Just take the guess. You're going to get it wrong. doesn't matter. Well, they're not the last. I'm second to last. Okay. Uh, they're, 27th. they're 27th. That just like. Uh, well, usually when you open it up with take a guess and you're, you're, you're throwing it out with we're the best, you, you think it's going to be the worst, but I didn't think it was going to be the worst. I, I, what I say, yeah, second to last is, is a good guess, I think. So the Red Sox have 63 doubles more than the New York Yankees. Jesus. The Yankees are living and dying by the, the home run. They lead well, the league with 110. It's working. Right. Yeah, they're probably also leading the league with um, – I wouldn't be surprised if they're also up there with strikeouts too. They're actually they stri- not, Charlie. Oh, In fact, really? The New York Yankees are 19th in the league in strikeouts at 536. Where are we? We are 21st with 532. The Dodgers have 535. So we're right in the middle of the pack, as are the Yankees. Um, The best team for strikeouts is actually the Cleveland Guardians. They've only struck out 428 (sighs) times. I thought it was going to be the Astros. Props to everyone for not saying Indians once because I'm probably going to flub that quite a bit next I, weekend. I go slow when I say Cleveland. I take a deep <laughs> breath. There you go. Nice. 
But you guys know me privately. You know, I'm Mr. Conspiracy Theory. You know, we can go all day on certain events in recent uh, history. But as far as baseball goes, I don't know that the Yankees aren't getting different baseballs than everyone else. So I buy it. I buy it. They yeah. also have the shortest right field porch. They play in a little league field. So that's definitely helping. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess we'll uh, wrap it on that. I've got the I've got the Red Sox two out of three. Job, I think you have them sweeping. Then I do get the brooms out. Fire AJ Hinch. And Charlie has uh, the the Tigers eking it out uh, two to one. So we'll be back tomorrow for Hot Take Tuesday. And uh, everyone, have a good start to your week. Take care.